Hello gentlemen, my name is Charlie Ungamak and you are watching the Gird Up A Gogi. This is the place where we teach young men to be the men that God created them to be. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, guys, have you ever noticed that no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, anytime a young group of men gets together, really a group of men of any age gets together, they immediately start competing. It might be something simple like throwing garbage into the garbage can, um, shooting hoops. It might be something like playing a football game or arm wrestling. It might even just be arguing, trying to tell the best story, trying to one-up each other, whatever it might be. Guys, when they get together in groups, are always competing. Ever wondered why that is? Ever wondered why guys are always roughhousing, boys are always competing, and why men always seem to be trying to get the upper hand on each other? Well, the simple answer is that God made us that way. And God made us that way for a very specific reason. Nowadays, we live in a culture and a society, especially as Americans, where we live in a society where there isn't a whole lot of danger on a day-to-day basis. We don't often face death in our day-to-day. Even in the most dangerous neighborhoods in America, less than 1% of the population is likely to be a victim of a violent crime this year. And while those numbers are too high, and certainly any violent crime is too much violent crime, it does tell us that we live in a very safe and peaceful time. Our whole nation was rocked in the last year by riots that took place in only a few towns and villages. And you think about that and put it in perspective, it means we live in a very peaceful time. And that peace and prosperity allows men to become soft. And that's not just an American phenomenon. That's something that's happened in all great civilizations across time. But in the beginning, God created Adam a man. He created him a real man, a man in his own image, and he gave that man a job. He said, go and subdue the earth. Rule over it. And when sin entered the world, it then became Adam's responsibility to bring order into that chaos. And of course, for the first while, that meant keeping wild animals at bay, growing crops for his young family, and protecting them. But as soon as Cain killed Abel, one half of the world was actively at war against the other half of the world, and we've never had true worldwide peace since. And so, throughout the generations and across time, it has been the role of men to protect, preside, and provide for those people around them. Both protecting women and children who are so vulnerable in those situations, and providing an opportunity for themselves to continue to grow, to reproduce, and survive as a society. But, As it stands right now, we sit squarely on top of the food chain, and there really isn't any death that happens in our daily life besides the natural things like sickness that cannot ever go away. We certainly do have day-to-day struggles, and there is death in our experience and danger in our experience. But that day-to-day, life-threatening experience that our ancestors had... 
we don't experience at all. But don't imagine that just because our lives are peaceful and quiet and safe now, that no men in the future will ever need to be real men who can face that danger head on. If history tells us anything, it's that great societies only last for so long before they're thrown back into chaos, and men, particularly men of God, are required to step up and live very much the same reality that Adam had to live so long ago. And honestly, this is terrifying. It's scary to think that at some point, this safe society we live in is going to collapse and the world will not be as safe for Christians as it is now. But even now, as we live in safety, there are countries across the world where Christianity is illegal and Christians are actively hated and persecuted. And someday, you and I and our children will experience something similar. And as scary as all that is, you and I can be at peace because we know that we have a God and a Father up in heaven who promises to protect us, to provide for us, to preside over us, even as we do our families, except he's going to do it perfectly and he's going to work all things, even the wickedest things, even the darkest of times and the most challenging of situations. They're all going to be worked out for our good as those who love him and believe in him and have put our trust in him. Our God, by nature, is a God of order. The same God who created us is the God who created mathematics and biology, who put the stars in the sky, who put the planets in orbit, who set the earth spinning on its axis so that we would have gravity, so that we would have the tides, so that the sun would rise and set the same way in the same place every day. He is a God of great order, and he expects order among his people as well. And sitting at the top of that hierarchy is God himself. He sits on the throne, and we are all accountable ultimately to him in the end. You you and I and everyone living will answer to God on the last day for all the things that we do. And unfortunately, because of the chaos of this world, which is chaos of our own creation as human beings, by the way, we are no longer able to see God face to face and hear him talking to us the way that Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. We cannot see or hear him directly while we're here on earth. And so God gives us his word, and he gives us each other, and he tells us as men, as descendants of Adam, to create order in the chaos. And so, men compete. When we as men compete, what we're doing is we're testing ourselves to see what we have, to see if we have what it takes to understand what our skills and abilities are, our strengths and weaknesses, so that we know how we will react and even act during a time of crisis, and so that we can know those same things about the gentlemen around us. Ultimately, competition acts as a rehearsal for times of crisis. If we know how I'm going to act and how the men around me are going to act in that time of crisis, then I know what to expect when that time of crisis comes, and I inherently know who I'm going to look to as a leader when those days of crisis come and life hits the fan. See, while you and I compete, the guys who win the most, the guys who have the most skill, the guys who are the coolest under pressure, the guys who demonstrate the greatest leadership capacity are automatically going to be the guys that we turn to and look to when crisis comes into our lives. We might not be consciously thinking about building a hierarchy and putting men in order, but that really is what we're doing. And I'm sure if you really think about it, you've experienced something like that, where something automatically went wrong and a whole group of men looked to you, even though you weren't the man necessarily who was in authority, to tell them what to do next. Or maybe it was the opposite. Some crisis happened, some bad thing happened, and all the men in the room, including you, looked to one of the older gentlemen in the room and said, you are our leader. Nobody had to vote on it. Nobody had to decide together. He just stepped up, took the lead, and became the one who brought order into the chaos of that situation. 
No one was thinking about it in that moment, but for the duration of all of your relationships with this man, you determined that he was the strongest, that he was the most likely to be a leader in the coming situation. And that's exactly how God designed men to think, and that's why God designed men to compete with each other. Now, of course, because this is a sinful world and we have lost the perfection of Eden, this process is not always perfect. And a lot of times, young men start to believe that they know it all, that they've got it all figured out, that they're the top dog, and they don't need to listen to anybody else. They already have it all figured out. But if a guy believes that he has it all figured out, especially when he's a young man, he stops listening to other people and he can no longer learn. And that's a dangerous liability for men because men who don't know enough make incredible mistakes. No man, no matter how old he is, is done learning or should be done learning because every single one of us is sinful and we need to keep improving throughout our lives so that sin doesn't catch up to us because sin is crouching at our door. And young men who are too big for their britches and believe they've got it all figured out when they don't, instead of bringing order to the chaos, just create more chaos. The Apostle Paul knew this, and so when he wrote his epistle letters, he told young men to be submissive to authority. Now, I like to define being submissive to authority as surrendering my power to someone who is in authority over me so that he may lead and guide me. It's not just surrender and being meek and mild for the sake of being meek and mild and weak. It's surrender for a purpose, saying to another man, I want you to teach me what you know. I want to have what you have. I want to know what you know. I'm going to make myself vulnerable to you so that I can become more like you, and in becoming more like you, also become more like the Heavenly Father who guides us both. When you really break it down, it's the ability to be teachable. Proverbs tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But if you're not willing to be vulnerable and to listen to the men around you, especially the older men who've seen things that you haven't seen and who often have already gone through experiences very similar to the ones you are going through, those men have a lot of wisdom and they have a lot to teach us. But if we decide not to listen, if we decide not to be vulnerable to them, their teaching will fall on deaf ears and we will learn nothing. And that's why it's incredibly important for young men to recognize the value of being vulnerable to surrendering our power, to stepping back from being the top dog and allowing the men around us to step into those roles as leaders, as mentors, as sages who can give us great advice and who can help teach us to be the men that God created us to be in the beginning. And, of course, don't forget that you and I and all men of all ages are ultimately accountable to the same authority. We are all men living under the power of God, living under the promises of God, who are actively seeking to serve, love, and trust in Him above all things. And one day when He calls us home to be with Him, He says, If you follow me... I have a place prepared for you to spend eternity with me. And that's the ultimate goal, that you and I would spend eternity with our Father in heaven and that the men around us might spend eternity together there too. And with us, we will take our wives and our children, the congregations we serve, the communities we are a part of. God will, as we pursue him, actively use us to bring others to him as well. And that's why these concepts are important, gentlemen. I hope that you recognize how much the men around you love you, how much good they want for you, and how important it is that you listen to the men around you who are in authority, that you surrender to them, give your power to them so that they might lead and guide you, that they might teach you to be the men that God created you to be. I love you, gentlemen. I hope you have a wonderful week. 
Learn to be submissive to authority, to eat your pride, to be humble, to submit to authority, and to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.